You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. This morning, I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke and chapter 22. The book of Luke and chapter 22. Praise you, Father God. Lord, we we just pray that whatever it is that you have for us, the word this morning, I I give you permission to sabotage what I'm going to say. I give you permission, Lord God, to do whatever you want to do. Whatever action it is that you have for us, do it, Father God. I pray that your church, every person here that's assembled, will not leave this place untouched. But I pray that you'll speak to their mind, their soul, their spirit. Speak to them, Lord God, body, soul, and spirit, all of it. And I pray, Father God, that there would be something for them this morning. Father God, that they will have treasures that they can take with them out of this building. Father, as we, a church, lean in, I pray for more of the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We give permission for you to move in the service, Lord God. Outbreaks of the Holy Spirit. We pray for fire. We pray for fire. We pray for fire. Like it was in the second chapter of Acts on your church, we pray for that same fire to move upon our church this morning. Holy Spirit, have your way. You came to the right church. <laughs> we, we need you. We can't do this without you, so God, your permission, mess us up in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, read together with me Luke chapter 22. The Bible says, this is Jesus speaking, Simon, Simon. Oh, sorry, verse 31. The whole chapter, Luke chapter 22, reading from verse 31. Luke 22, reading from verse 31. Jesus says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. I want you to try and internalize this, personalize this. This is not just Simon who's sitting in the second row up here saying, amen, amen, I'm listening. This is for every Simon in the place. That includes us, okay, all of us. So put your name in there. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, You will deny three times that you know me. Jump now to verse 54. Skip to verse 54. Just a little bit further down. Then, seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, but when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. 
About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word of the the Lord has spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. I'm speaking to people here who've been a Christian a while and have failed him. If that's you, you don't have to raise your hand, okay? (laughs) But you know who I'm talking to. I've been a Peter. I've been Simon before. Where God has had big promises, where God has spoken into my life and spoken big things through prophetic voices. You're going to do this. God's going to raise you up. I'll tell you some of the things. Oh, you're going to be a voice. The world's going to know you. The world over. Southeast Asia is going to know you. They're going to know your name. Think, oh, oh, that's really great. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then I failed them again. And I sometimes wonder, did the person that left, that gave that prophetic word, did they make a mistake? When I read the word, I see the promises and I'm inspired by what God wants to do through his people. I'm thinking maybe God got it wrong. Maybe he missed me. I was sharing next door. Uh, David had a great word on the fly. We had to call him up and he was sharing about grace, you know, just the grace of Jesus. And then I had this, you know, that we don't understand it. And sometimes we hold ourselves with a greater grace. But when we look at other people, we judge them. We use the law with them. We use grace with ourselves. And then I shared this story. I said, I had this dream. I think I remember now, it wasn't the last couple of weeks. It was just before my mother passed away. A couple of disturbing dreams. One was like on a Wednesday, one was on a Friday. And uh, I woke up, and, and this, there were just sort of horrid dreams. Like, you know, and I don't dream. I, I just want you to know. So it's usually a God dream. And I normally journal it. I didn't journal it, but it's, I still remember it fresh. One of them, it was just so gory, and I hope I can say this. But it was like there was a heart on the table, a human heart. And I'm stabbing into this heart, and I'm cutting it. I said, God, why would I do that? That's a human being. Have I cannibalized this person? Have I killed them? What am I doing in this place? And I felt the Holy Spirit just convict me of, of, you know, like the Bible says, Jesus once said this, you've heard it said in the law, thou shalt not murder. I say to you, if you hate your brother, you committed murder. And I, I had to just stop what I was doing because it was disturbing me. I would never do that. Really upsetting me. So in, in my pillow, I'm just praying while my wife's asleep. Father, forgive me. I'm repenting of, of hate, of hatred. If I've hated my brother, because I know I haven't killed anyone, okay, just before God, I haven't killed anybody. It's okay. But maybe I've harbored some hate towards someone. And I began confessing in that pillow, God, forgive me. Lord, if I've hated anybody, if I've harbored bitterness. If I haven't forgiven someone, I've forgotten over the years, but I really have not forgiven them yet. Father, I forgive them in my heart of hearts. I can't remember who they are, but Lord, I forgive them. I release them in Jesus' name. I am there just confessing my sins before the Lord. And then it was a couple nights later, and it was like, I don't know if I was lying in the dream, but I had this conviction of lying, that I was caught out in the middle of a lie. Now, I'm not aware of any lie, just so you know, okay? I'm not aware of any lies that I've said. But to the Lord, it's the thing, you know, sometimes we hold ourselves in this light, unlike anybody else, and we think that we are clear, we are free. And I love the grace of God, but the law reminds us of our sin. 
It shows us what we've been saved from. And just in that moment when you're thinking that everything's okay, I'm the holy man of God, praise the Lord, righteousness, yay God. He's reminding me of these things. And once again, I'm like, God, what are you doing? And I'm repenting before the Lord. Father, I repent of every lie that I've ever spoken in my life. I'm there in this pillar. I'm just doing this time with the Lord. I don't know what it is. Why that moment, that moment in the morning? Why can't you do it when I'm awake later in the day? Why disturb my sleep? But there we are, early in the morning before the sun had risen, I am confessing to the Lord. I, I understand what it's like to be a Peter. I understand what it's like to fail God. I don't know if that's what you're feeling right now. You felt you were on a good journey, and I can take down enemies. I'm going to take down territories, and you failed them again. And then you failed them again. And then you failed them again. Some of you are thinking to yourselves, would God ever use me? I'm just going to fail him again. Why should I even try? God is speaking to you today. You are that Simon. I want to give you five things, if you're taking notes right now, that I'm hoping you'll take with you. Five things that I want us to get from this passage. Here's the first one. Your time of sifting is ordained by God. Write that one down. Your time of sifting is ordained by God. In verse 31, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, uh, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Now, I want you to take note of the fact that Jesus used the word Simon. Do you notice that he didn't use the word Peter? Jesus renamed him from Simon. He says, I will call you Peter because on this rock I will build my church. By the way, Peter means stone. So Jesus is really talking about himself. He's the rock. But nonetheless, he was the pillar of the church. He became the, the bishop. He became the apostle of the church, this same Peter. But in this moment, Jesus is not referring to him as stone. He's calling him your old man, your old man name. I'm going to go back. Let's just go back a little bit in history, Peter. I'm just going to call you Simon for this moment. Simon, Simon. Uh-oh. This is a problem right there. When God is reminding you of stuff that you've done, your past, your name reminds you of that. It's like, you have gone backwards, dude. You have backslidden in your walk. You weren't even aware of it. Here you are thinking these big things. In fact, this is shortly after that moment where Simon is trying to have a big Simon moment. Uh, this is a Peter, right? Trying to be Peter, but it's a Simon moment where he's saying, you know, Jesus is saying the Son of Man is going to be betrayed by one of you guys. He's going to be handed over to his betrayers. He's going to be crucified, but he's going to rise again. And Peter says, never, Lord. It will never happen to you. I'll stand by his side. We've got this. And instead of Jesus saying, Simon, you're such a, a Peter, you're such a mighty man of God. Instead, Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. Like, what? You stabbed me in the heart. I was having your back, Jesus. This is my, this is my me moment. Well, I had your back. Yeah, that's it. That was your me moment. This wasn't about me. This is all about you and trying to preserve a legacy that you've been working on for so long. And Jesus is saying to him, look at this. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Now, I don't know if you know what sifting really looks like. How many people grew up like in a third world country? You know what sifting is. Okay, I see one or two or three hands. All right, let me give you an illustration. So I grew up in Indonesia, and what they would do is when you buy a sack of rice, it's not like the rice we get. 
It's already treated. It looks really nice. It's clean. For them, it's still got the leaves all over the, the rice because I don't know if you know how rice grows, right? little kernel of, of rice has uh, leaves around it. So it comes with the leaves intact. And so what the women usually cook in, in the Indonesian culture, they'll pour it out on this big, um, uh, like a tray. It's a round mat made of... Um, bamboo leaves and what they would do then is they would fill it up and i don't know how they have the strength to do it. it's pretty heavy all this uh, a lot of rice on this big round thing it's about a meter a meter in diameter and they would throw this thing all the rice up and what happens is the wind will catch that rice and blow all those leaves away that's what sifting is it's getting rid of the dross okay i looked up that word sifting in strong's Concordance and what it's actually trying to say, and I found it very interesting. So according to this, I'm just trying to find it here. I've lost, I've lost my place in my notes. It's here somewhere. Oh, here it is. It means to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. In other words, the devil came to Father God asking him permission to take Peter and mess with his life. I want to mess with him so bad that I'm going to bring him to the point and the brink, the edge of despair, to the point that he's going to have to decide now, either I go for God or I give up. But I'm going to make things so bad for this guy, I'm going to sift him so that he just wants to give up and finally let go. So just think, there are seasons in your life where this is happening, and the sifting time is ordained by God. Jesus, you notice, never argued with God. Oh, don't let, it, don't let Satan sift him, Father. Don't let it happen. Instead, Jesus is saying, I have prayed for you. Okay? The devil has asked to sift you like weak. And it's amazing. Even though intentions are always good, we, we just don't want to be sifted. Oh, God, Jesus, you know, just pray that I won't have to be sifted. Here's a key thing you need to understand. You never really know who a person is until you see them in crisis. All those that have been in crisis can understand this. You are put in situations where you are uncomfortable. You are unfamiliar. And you're asking, God, will you come through in this situation? Or for some other people, it's too difficult, and they give up and walk away. I had a conversation with somebody just recently. It was Friday. And this person wanted to give up. And I said to them, the easy thing is to give up when things get hard. Oh, you don't understand what's going on in my life. It's hard. And listen, this is not the only conversation I've had. Had another conversation today, by the way. So I have these conversations all the time. Everyone has this moment where they want to give up, where things get too hard. But those are the moments that God chooses to put you in that situation. Oh, my goodness. That's why it says in the Word, my brothers, rejoice when you go through all kinds and tribulations because the Father allowed you to go into it. Yea, God. Just turn to the person next to you and say, just praise him right now. Praise him right now because I need this. Can you think about that for a moment? And look at the person next to you tell them, I need this. Turn to the other person next to you. I need to be sifted. Jesus didn't do this for heaven's sake. Jesus did this for Peter's sake. He had to be sifted. I'm trying to tell you, you have to be sifted. Some of you are going through marriage crisis. Some of you are going through family crisis. Some of you are going through friendship crisis. 
Some of you are going through hell crisis. You know, I don't know what it is that's going on in your world. You're going through crisis, and it feels like for some of you, you're going from one crisis to another. Can I see their hand if that's you? Okay, that's me right now. It's like, my goodness, it's like been hell. You know, like we had some difficult situations in ministry before I left for Malaysia. In Malaysia, we had difficult seasons. In Indonesia, we had difficult seasons. I come back, it's difficult. In the midst of it all, my mother gets sick and she dies. I'm not talking little stuff, okay? I'm talking big stuff. And the season isn't over yet. So I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. And I'm saying to you, never give up. Resist the devil and he will flee. These, these things that are in your life are there for your season, for your purposes, to build you up, to promote you, to take you to the next level. Don't shy away from these things. Don't quit. Don't give up. But just say, come on, bring it. Simon. Simon. Not Peter. And it's, it's said twice for a reason. You know, if you, again, you've heard me say this many times. In Bible college, you learn about, the, uh, you know, that when something's mentioned once, it's important. But when it's mentioned two times, that's sort of like the, when we in our fonts on the computer, if you want to make something bold to draw it to your attention, double-click, press B for bold. That's what we do. Control-B is a shortcut, by the way. They didn't have that back in that day. So to make a statement, to make it really, really clear, rather than even raise your voice, you just say, Simon Simon. <laughs> okay? It was not a mistake that Jesus used the word Simon. He didn't call him Simon Peter. Simon, Simon. I'm not making a mistake. I know who I'm, who I'm addressing. I'm not going to be addressing Peter right now. You are not a rock, let alone a stone right now. You're going to crumble. You're going to fail. You're going to be Simon in this moment. So I'll need to speak to Simon. Not just this guy here. He's feeling the pressure right now in the second row. But I, I'm talking to everybody right now. You insert your name in there. Because in that moment when God is allowing you to go through that moment of sifting, your fears, your insecurities are going to be revealed in that time. When things are going really bad, it's in that moment that is so precious because Jesus is showing you the character flaws in your life. It's not going to come out, your character flaws, when things are going great. I know, right? Diamonds don't pop out automatically out of the walls of a cave, right? You've got to go through with your hammer and sickle, and you're smashing through this thing. Experts know when they're striking those diamonds and getting close to it, they'll pull the whole chunk of rock out. You still can't see the diamond. The only way to get the diamond out, you still have to pick up the hammer, but a bit more gingerly and carefully, very strategically, you're, ch you're hammering at this thing until the hard rock on the outside is making way to reveal the diamond on the inside. And then it doesn't end there. After you see the diamond, the diamond merchant, he starts to cut away at those outer layers of the diamond, cutting those facets, and that's where the value of the diamond comes to pass, comes to be. It's through the cutting. It's through the hammering. Is this a thing? You would just want to go, you know, we're the same way, aren't we? We're a microwave uh, generation. We just want to go, ping, we're done. Thank you. I am a mighty man of God. Thank you. It doesn't work that way. The process never changes. It's just hard. Some of you are just lumps of rock right now occupying a space. And every time the hammer lifts up his hammer ready to hammer down, you're like, ding, 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 ding. 
No, thank you, God. It's just too hard. I'm just going to go over here. Some of you are saying these prayers, no, Lord, let it not be for me. Let it be for my brother David instead, in Jesus' name. No, 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 no. In order for the jewel and that diamond to be exposed, the hammer and the chisel have got to do their work on your rock. On that exterior, drop the hammer in Jesus' name. You can put the hashtag, drop the hammer. <laughs> for all his gusto and bravado, Oh, I'll never leave your side, Jesus. I'll be with you. Because Jesus is telling them, oh, man, son of man is going to be betrayed. I will never leave you. And then he says this to insult all the other apostles. Though they all leave you, I never will. That's when Jesus said this. Simon, Simon, not Peter. Simon, Simon, for the day's over, dude, you're going to betray me. You're going to deny me twice, right? It's not just the betrayal of Judas. You're going to betray me by your own words. I wonder how much of us betray him through our lack of devotion with him throughout the week. We betray that relationship. Oh, I love you, Jesus. You come to church. I love you, Jesus. And you forget him on Monday. Tuesday, you know, sometimes you remember when someone puts a Facebook post up there and it's really spiritual. It's like, preach. You know, you might even like copy it across. Well, I did my reading for the day. <laughs> Just uh, reposted. I remember one particular person reposted this really awesome statement on worship. And then some, uh, some backslidden pastor's kid hammered into her. And she's writing to me, Pastor Paul, can you help me in this one? I said, sweetheart, you are on your own on this one. You don't copy stuff and, don't give, and not give credit to who the writer was. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to work. Th- I wasn't that harsh. I said it in a more gentle way. But nonetheless, don't just pass things through. Sometimes, this is the thing, the word of God, not sometimes, with the word of God, you have to learn to begin to take it and own it. It belongs to you. And no one can ever take it away from you. You see, when you've gone through hardships and you have cried out to God, And you can say things, God is my refuge and my strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. When you've been in trouble and you got through the trouble because you prayed through it, you own that word. There's an authority that comes. Come on, you can clap for that one. You know that's you. You can speak to that person next to you who's going through their hardship and say, I know this God. I know this verse. I remember the story back in the 1800s before they had recordings and all that. So people would come up, they'd play some songs on the piano. Or this particular person, they had come out and they were, they were orators. This guy was known as a great orator. And he came to Psalm 23 with his most dulcet, beautiful, deep tones. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, 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 shepherd. I shall not want, want, want. And people were just mesmerized by this guy. Sort of like, wow, shout out, dude, you nailed it. That was pretty awesome. And then this old man picks up his old worn Bible, picks it up. He reads it as well with his broken, gravelly voice. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There wasn't a dry eye in the place. And hands down, that guy won. Not that it was a competition. But see, one spoke of the shepherd, whereas the other one was the sheep led by the shepherd and was able to look back and reflect on that shepherd. See, God is forging you through your trial, through your tribulation, through your wilderness, 
so that you can speak into another person's life and tell them, I know this word. I know the shepherd. I've walked, I've walked through the journey you have. I know it's hard, but it comes, to, it comes to an end. Just take one step at a time. Though I walk through the valley of the shadows. I don't camp there. I don't stay there. I don't build a house in the valley of shadows. I walk through step by step by step. The Bible tells us that Jesus, when he was water baptized... When he came up out of the water, the Father baptizes him with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says straight after that in the next chapter, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness to be tempted. Holy Spirit is a comforter because first he'll lead you through the difficult situation and then he comforts you. They didn't tell me that. I thought he was just the comforter when things go bad. Uh, no, no. He'll actually lead you into the hard situations. Can I hear a shout-out for Jesus now? Shout-out for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You shouldn't have. No, really, you shouldn't have. No, he should have. It's for your good. It's for your sake. It's to build you up. And we would say, it's like, Jesus, this is the most amazing thing that he says to him. Listen to what he says. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. He's asked to take you to the very edge of your faith so that you will want to give up. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I got to say, this is a massive fail moment right now. Okay? He denies Jesus three times. And guess what? It's not in just one gospel. It's in all the gospels. I mean, Mark wasn't even there. He might have been there. Luke definitely wasn't there. Even he writes about it. I mean, this is infamous, Peter. Everyone knows you failed Jesus. You can call yourself an apostle, but I know you. The devil tries to do that to you. Ah, oh, you say you're this big Christian coming to church, but I know you. Like, yeah, but I know you. And I know how your chapter ends. See, when the devil reminds you of your present, you remind him of his future. Amen. Look at this. He denies him three times. He abandons Jesus when he needs him the most. And he said he wouldn't do it. He abandons him. And ultimately, he abandons the calling, straight after this, by the way, and goes back to fishing. Goes back to the old life. Listen to this. I just want to give a bit more meat to this. In John 18, 26, I want you to understand the third person that he encounters, the reason why he rejected, there's a bit more to the story. Again, I have to compare the translations, uh, the, the Gospels. John says in 18, 26, one of the high priest's servants, remember he's at the high priest's house, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. So it's like, no, I know you did this. I know you're one of them. I was in the garden. You cut off my cousin's ear. <laughs> and this is how he responds. I'll give you another one. This is another comparison. This is the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 74. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore. How many people know what that's like? Okay, you go back to your old life. The old man's going, oh, blankety, blank, 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 blank. I wasn't with him. Okay, how many people have gone back to that life? Okay, you're not the only one. Even the chief apostle does the same thing. He goes back to his blankety blank blank world. 
That's where he came from. They, they were coarse fishermen. These are not the kind of people you call to be disciples. And every insecurity, every issue that he has comes out in this moment. Number two, I'm going to go real quick to the others. The devil can do nothing to you without God's permission. You need to write that one down as a reminder to yourself. The devil can do nothing to you without God's permission. Write down these scripture verses. I won't read them all. Job chapter 1, verse 6 to 12. You're going to see the humbling of Satan. Job chapter 1, verse 6 to 12. Have a look at Revelation 2, verse 10 and 11. Just write it down. I'm going to read you some scripture. Job chapter 1, verse 6 says this. By the way, the book of Job was actually, chronologically speaking, the first book of the Bible ever written, the oldest book. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. What? I thought Satan can't appear before God. He was cast out of heaven. What's he doing back in heaven? Guess what he's doing? He's called the accuser. Okay, let me, I'm going to ruin it for you. Revelation 12. Verse 10 to 11, the second part of verse 10. For the accuser of our brothers, that's you and me and sisters, by the way, that's you too, who accuses them before our God day and night. If you're wondering where the devil is, he's roaming about the earth seeking whom he may devour. Whom he may devour. Then he shoots up to heaven and he's accusing you. Do you know that? The entire time in heaven, oh, yeah, but look at what Maria did. She did this. Oh, look at what Isaac did. What about him? Can I take him down? He's asking permission to take you down all the time. But occasionally the Lord says, okay, he knows enough. She knows enough to overcome. So I'm going to give him permission because the devil thinks he's got his way. Do you understand how foolish the devil is? To come to the Father thinking, I just want to mess this up. I know that deep down inside, Simon's going to fail. Simon, Simon, he's going to fail. But the Lord already knows, moves, counter moves upon counter moves into the future and knows, no, the guy's going to win. He's going to embarrass the devil and the devil's going to come back and try and do some more accusations. I mean, I wonder what it's like in heaven. All the other angels sort of snickering, saying, <laughs> he's going to try to get Lucifer. Doesn't he know he just got embarrassed last week when he tried to shame Lee? He got embarrassed last week when he tried to shame Gus. Okay, why is he doing this? But there he is again. Oh, but, but Lord, you know, what about Sarah? You know, maybe try and talk about someone else now. How embarrassing. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, going Old Testament, it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness. Remember, the Spirit of God will take you in the wilderness. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you. If you're wondering why you're going through hardship, it's to humble you. And to test you, if you don't humble, you're going to crack. You'll break. Unless you bend down yourself willingly, you'll be smashed. To humble you and to test you. Why? In order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Going through real quick. Number three, I want you to know <laughs> Jesus is an intercessor who prays for you. You know, the Catholic, we were in, a, as my daughter was graduating, you know, we pray to St. Augustine that he will do. You pray to St. Augustine to pray on your behalf? 
He is not there to pray for you. He's, a cloud, he's one of the cloud of great witnesses. He's not God. He's not a God. The only person that is a person that can intercede on your behalf is Jesus. Now, listen to this. Did you know that even Job knew about Jesus? He knew there was a Jesus coming. Listen to this, Job 9, verse 33 to 35. If only there was someone to arbitrate between us, to lay his hand upon us both, someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would not frighten me no more and that I would speak up without fear of him but as it now stands with me, I cannot. And he finds and a bit further on, Job 16, he says, Even now, my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend as my eyes pour out my tears to God. On behalf of a man, he pleads with God as a man pleads for his friend. Let me finish with one more verse on this one. 1 John 2, 1. The Bible says, We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Getting to the last ones. You can just write these ones real quick. Number four, your setback is your comeback. Let me explain. Jesus in verse 32 says, when you have come back, he says this, strengthen your brothers. Not if you come back. He says, when you come back, strengthen your brothers. Look at these two apostles. Judas fails. Even when he knows he's wrong, he's done the wrong thing. Rather than go back to Jesus as, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? Instead, he ends up just hanging himself. He takes a coward's way out. But Peter, he's got to go through thick and thin, the hard stuff. But he bounces back. He bounces back. Number five, last one. Promises are cheap. It's action that counts. Matthew 11, verse 19 says this. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. Jesus is saying, I know you're going to overcome. That's why the Father has given the enemy permission to sift you like wheat, because he knows you're going to be able to overcome this. Don't give up. Resist the devil, and he will flee, the Bible says. Why don't we stand to our feet as I finish this morning? Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 to 10 in the New Living Translation, it says, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Come on. Some of you, you are not strong anymore. You know who you are. You are breaking apart. You are weak. And Jesus says, My power works best in your weakness. And Paul says, so no, I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Why don't we close our eyes as I close in prayer. Lord, your word is so precious. Your word is so beautiful. You are faithful to do what you say. Your word tells us, Lord God, you will never leave us in a situation that we are incapable of getting through. But your word tells us that we've become more 
than overcomers, greater than overcomers. So, Father, this morning I speak to every brother and every sister here in this place who feels, Lord God, the situation is getting the better of them. I speak to every person here, every child of God who feels that they're not good enough to stand in your presence. I declare you are righteous in the sight of God. You are perfect in his eyes. And every obstacle you're going through, God knows you. And God is with you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give a hand to the Lord this morning. Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at lifecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.